Father, we come to you this morning and uh, the worship that we just had, you are our healer, Lord, you are everything, Father, and we need to just remember that, that you do not give us the spirit of fear, uh, Lord, and that, that you are our provider and our caregiver, Father, and that uh, we lift Pastor George up to you, Lord. We know that you created his heart, Lord, and we know that you can heal his heart, Father. Uh, and we want to keep him in prayer. We love him, and we want to see him getting better. We want to see him back up here uh, proclaiming your word, Father God. And uh, we just ask that you watch over him and give him peace, Lord, right now, and heal him physically, mentally, and spiritually, Lord, as uh, we go forward. Uh, we lift up those affected by this uh, virus that has been worldwide. We pray for healing on their bodies, but we also look at this, Lord, as a time of of witness of who you are, Father God, and that you are the ones that can heal and protect us from this virus, Father God. And I pray that many salvations come uh, from this throughout this world, Father. As we get in our message today, Lord, we're going to look at your mighty hand, Father, and that's what we need right now in this time. We need your hand. We need your hand to be mighty upon us, Father God. And we pray that you would bless this message today, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. I have this one and one more in the series for the prayer of Jabez, and we'll be done with it. So I think it's been a pretty good series so far. So go ahead and turn to 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9 and verse 10. So as we continue to look at this prayer of Jabez, and we ask, you know, how does God work in prayer? We know that Jabez's prayer was answered. It was, uh, it was granted to him everything that he requested. So we know that God works through prayer. We know that God likes people who praise and communes with them. And we see Jabez doing that here. Um, last time when we looked at the prayer of Jabez, uh, I'm sorry, the first time we, we got into this series, We've seen that Jabez as a person, that his name, name meant pain. And with the name meaning pain, that could bring some bitterness into people's life. We know that certain names people can make fun of, and he could have well been made fun of by his peers for having a name called pain. But he chose not to be bitter. He chose to, to give glory to God, and he was an honorable man. It even says that he was more honorable than his brothers. So Jabez was an honorable man of God. The second time we looked at it, we looked at how he asked for God to bless him. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And we've seen that it was okay to ask for God's blessings and that God wants you to ask for blessings from him because he wants to give you everything he has for you. And often we can stop our growth if we're not asking God for the blessings that he has for us. He wants us to commune and ask for blessings. And the last time we were together, we looked at enlarge my territories. So he started off saying, and that, oh, that you would bless me indeed, and you would enlarge my territory. Now, we're not necessarily talking about land. Now, in this instance, he could have been talking about land. But he was also talking about enlarging his responsibility and influence for God. We all have responsibilities in our life, and we all have some type of influence around the people that we are around. And I pray that we are influencing them for God instead of them influencing us for the world. So he asked that God would enlarge his territory. And I pray that y'all would ask God to enlarge y'all's territory for where we're at here in Lafayette and Acadia Parish and beyond that. So let's uh, go to First Chronicles 4, 
9 and 10. And we're going to read it real quick before we start. In verse 9, it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. It's always good when God grants what we request, right? That means we're praying in the will of God. And that's where we need to be always whenever we're in prayer, in the will of God. So as we move on, we're going to look at God's hand. He says here that that your hand would be with me. And I think we can all learn from this prayer that we need God's hand with us, especially in this time of crisis or hysteria that we're having right now in the world. We need God's hand with us. And we're seeing Jabez praying this because he knew his situation was dire and that he couldn't do anything without God's hand. And we're kind of in that same boat today. Jabez recognized that God, that if God were to grant his request regarding blessing and expanding his territory, that he would need God's hand to guide him in that. Jabez saw God's hand in his life because he knew desperately that he needed it. And Jabez also knew that he had limitations. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we all know what our limitations are. And for us to go beyond those limitations, we need God's hand to guide us, uh, to get us past those limitations. Because there's often we can get to a certain point in life where we can't do things, but God could bring us beyond that. And that's what Jabez is asking here. He knew that his strength alone was insufficient for the journey. He knew that he couldn't make it. He knew, he knew that God's hand needed to be included in this. <clears throat> so... So as we're doing this, I'm going to point out a lot of different scriptures today. So if you all want to write down some of those scriptures, uh, we're not going to turn to all of them. But if you want to write down for uh, reference a little later on, go ahead and do that. But the first thing we're going to cover is God's hand is mighty. We're just going to start off right there. We're going to start off on God's hand is mighty. And we're going to see about three different areas on where his hand is mighty. But understand that God's hand is mighty. But that the three things we're going to talk about is not the limit to that. His might is unlimited because he's a mighty God that we serve. Amen. So I believe in a big God. I believe in a mighty God. I don't believe in a small God. And we're going to look at just three things he might uh, that he is mighty to do. But like I said, he's not limited to these three things. After all, scripture doesn't give doesn't say that he is a God all wimpy. That he is a God halfway strong. But he says that he is God almighty. In Genesis 17, 1, he came to Abraham, who he called a friend, and told Abraham that his name was God almighty. He went to Exodus 6, 3, where he spoke to Moses and told him that he was God almighty. He is El Shaddai, God almighty. And we got to get that into our heads, that God is mighty to move on our behalf. And Jabez is asking God, can you can you move on my behalf to expand the territory? I don't want your name to be ran through the mud, so I need you to work. And that's what Jabez is asking him. And there are hundreds of other instances inside the Bible that talk about God being a mighty God. And you can go back and read that. So now that we've established that God is mighty, now we're going to see what is he mighty to do. And the first area we're going to talk about is God is almighty to create. 
That should go without saying, because the first thing he did in the Bible was what? Create. In Genesis 1.1, he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he's into creating things. And it, it, it wasn't easy. Maybe for him it was, but in our minds, it shouldn't look easy to create the world, to get the oxygen and nitrogen balances, to get the seasons right, to get the lands plotted right, to get to, to where the earth is not torn up even from the seas and the wind. Just to be able to manage all that, he's able to create and manage it to, to ensure that we have a livable, sustainable earth we live on. Now, we live in a fallen world because of Adam and Eve. But I still want to say this, this earth that we live on is still a wonderful and beautiful thing. There's a lot of beautiful places in here on earth. And God is the one who created that. But there's something else that he creates, too. He didn't just stop with creating the earth. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The good news is, is that God is still in the creating business. And he's transforming lives and creating new spirits in people. He hasn't given up on his creative spirit. And that new creation should bring us hope. When you get born again, there's a new spirit that is created in you. And as you go on your journey of faith, he's continually working in you, continually creating a new creation in you until he brings you up into glory and brings you up into perfection. So God is constantly changing us. So while he is powerful to create the heavens, he is also powerful to create new creatures in Christ. And that should bring us joy. That should get us excited that he's constantly because some of us know how we were before salvation. We should all know how we were before salvation. And some of us weren't in a good place at all. But whenever that new spirit, that new man came to live in us, we've seen the change. Our friends, our family have seen the change. Some of them don't understand it. But as God is constantly creating. Next, he is mighty to save. And we ask sometimes, well, he's going to save us from what? He can save us from a number of things. He saved some of us from Alcohol, alcohol and drug addiction. He saves us from poverty, some of us. He saved us from so many things. But the number one thing he saved, he saved us from sin. The penalty of sin, which is what? Death. We may die physically, but that's just part of the story. We continue on into eternity living with him. We walk through that like Psalms 23 said, we walk through the shadow of death. When we die here on earth, it is merely a shadow of what death is. And we know shadows can't hurt us. We know when we walk into eternity, we continue to live with our Savior. So he is mighty to save. In Hebrews 7.25, it says, Therefore he, he's speaking about Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is mighty to save. He makes intercession for us. And I like here it says those who come to God through Jesus. The only way to, for salvation, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. No other way. Don't listen to the, the stuff you hear on TV, on the media, and, and through these other religions. There's one way to God, and that is through Christ Jesus. Amen. And I like how he says, and, and he says, he saves us to the uttermost. That means... There's to the limit, 
to where you, you can't even save anymore. There's nothing more you can do. He saves us to the uttermost. I love that old English words he put in here. So God doesn't just save us somewhat. He doesn't just save us a little bit. He doesn't save us halfway. He saves us to the uttermost. There's nothing more we can do for our salvation. There's nothing more he's going to do for our salvation. It's done. When he said on the cross that it is finished, it was finished. Nothing needs to be added to it. Your salvation is done. And he saves us to the uttermost. I thank God and get excited about that. Because just just think about we can't do anything on our own. And that's why Jabez was asking God to give me your hand. Let your hand be with me because he knew he couldn't do it. And we can't save ourselves either. That's why we need a God that is almighty to do that. Because otherwise we're lost. And we'll be lost for eternity without him. But we have a God that can save. And thirdly, he is mighty to protect. Now, in this season we're living in, protection, I think, is a very good thing for all of us with this coronavirus going around. And I think we need to call on his hand to protect us from this and other things that are happening in this world. And in Psalms 91, it says, Psalms 91, 14, 16. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. So God's talking about we're setting our love on God. And what's God's going to do in return? He's going to deliver us. It says, I will set him on high because he has known my name. So he's going to set us up on high because we know the name of God. He's honoring us. He says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. So if we call upon our God who is mighty to save. We call upon our God who is mighty to protect. He's going to answer our prayer. And we see that in Jabez. It says that he granted his request. So we know God is mighty to save and mighty to answer our prayers. He says, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Then it says, with long life, I will satisfy him. And show him my salvation. Our God wants to protect. Our God wants to save. And he's telling us here in scripture. So now we're going to focus on this more in our next sermon. But I wanted to bring that to your attention here. That God is a God who is mighty to protect and save us. If we cry out to him. Now when my little girls were were young. And they would get up in the middle of the night. And have to go to the restroom. It was dark in the house. But what would they do? They would come to the mom and daddy's room to let us know, hey, I got to go to the bathroom, dad. I'm scared. The bathroom was right next to their, their rooms. They could have just walked over and did it. But they would come to us because why? They felt secure. They felt protected. They felt safe that mama or daddy is with us to take care of us in this dark, scary house. Right? And that's kind of what God does for us. It's kind of the same thing. Sometimes we're in trouble and we're fearful. And we just need that encouragement. We need that security from God. Whenever we're walking through this dark world, afraid. God can give us, he doesn't give us that spirit of fear, like I said earlier, right? He gives us a spirit of peace. And he wants to give us encouragement. He wants to protect us. And what a comfort to know that God is there with, with his open hands, his mighty hand to take, take ours 
and walk with us through this world. Sometimes picking us up and carrying us through this world. When we get to those points where our strength has ran out and we need to lean on him. So our God is mighty to protect. And guess what? Jabez needed his hand to protect him from his own fear and the enemies that were going to be coming. We need God's hand to protect us. So we've seen that God's hand is almighty, is a mighty hand that he has. And now we're going to look at God's hand is righteous. And you can ask, well, what do you mean by righteous? Well, just that his hand will deliver the righteous judgment on the earth. That he is a righteous God. We don't serve a, a pushover. We serve a God that is about righteousness and serve a God that is about justice. And in Isaiah 41, 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not dismay, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We serve a God that is righteous. And and I've read that passage before, and I figured this was the perfect spot to put it. Because he upholds us with his righteous right hand. And my point in putting it here is that God's hand is an instrument of justice. Because he is holy and just. He cannot be holy. He cannot be holy without being just and doing what is right. And sometimes what he does, it doesn't seem right in our eyes. But he's the holy God. And his, his rules and his laws is what goes. Not what our feelings are sometimes. But we serve a just and holy God. And Jabez knew that God was just and that God would bring justice to a situation. And whenever God does bring justice, it's not always on our time. It's not always when we think it needs to be done. He knows the perfect time to bring the justice uh, to this world. He knows when to avenge us. And we just need to be patient and give him that time to do it because he knows the perfect time too. It says, but we are called to speak the truth in love. That's what he asks us to do. He asks us to speak the truth to people. In love, he'll take care of the justice. But are we but we will be guilty in giving silent permission for all types of things to go unhindered. So we're to speak the truth in love. But if there's injustice in the world, we need to speak out against it. Abortion, corrupt governments, you name it, we need to speak out against it in love and in truth. But we need to be the voice to those who don't have a voice. That's what the church is supposed to be for this world. We're part of that justice that he brings. And let God use us in this situation. In Psalms 37, verses 5 through 9, it says, It says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. He's telling us we're going to see evil and and monstrosities and all kind of things happen on this earth. 
He says, but don't fret. Don't worry about them. Give it to him. And he's going to take care of that. Be patient. Bring it to me and be patient. Because those who do evil, their day will come. Their day for judgment will come. But it says here, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Wait on the Lord's perfect timing. Wait on God's righteousness to be revealed. He's going to do it. God's righteousness, righteous hand will triumph. And the third thing we're going to look at is God's hand is active. Now, there are a group of people that are known as deists who think that God just wind this whole thing up like a clock and just lets it run. Whatever happens, happens. That God doesn't get involved in the affairs of human beings anymore. Well, that's a lie. We've seen through, through the Old Testament, we've seen through the New Testament, and we see in our own lives God actively being involved in the lives of the believer. We can look at Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, King David. We can go to the book of Acts and see Peter and Paul, and we can see all these instances where God is putting his hands in the affairs of men. And I, I don't know about you, but I want God to be involved in my affairs. Because I'm going to mess them up if it's left up to me. You can ask my wife. I do that. But if I have God with me, he's going to guide me through these things. He does act in the lives of believers. God has not changed. We talked about the Old Testament and and, and the Bible in general. We see him acting on behalf of believers. God has not changed. The same today, tomorrow, yesterday. He's the same God of the Bible. He's the same God that is active in your life right now. He does not change. And we're going to take three. uh, We're going to take uh, just three ways that he is active. And obviously there's more. This is not an exhausted list. But one way he is that he brings justice. Our society, is, our society is looking so much about justice right now. They're all about justice. This politician did wrong. We got to bring him down. Or this country is doing the wrong things. Let's bring some kind of sanction against him. It's always about justice. But I want to share a passage of scripture that details something about the way God works against those who plot evil against his people. In the last few verses of Psalms 10 says, the Lord is king forever and ever. The Lord never ceases to be king. From the beginning to the end, he has been king. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed that the man of the earth may oppress no more. God is taking care of those who are doing wrong to his believers. He will bring the justice. And we just have to trust him in that. God will bring justice, but it will be his time and his manner. We can't afford to make the mistake that we can help God get justice done. Sometime it does get, it may be at work or something, something some kind of injustice happens, and you just want to step in and say something. But it's not always our place to do that. We have to give it to God and let him perform his justice. There was a quote I seen that said, I looked at the world and cried to God for justice. 
Then I looked at myself and cried to God for mercy. Because he should bring justice on us. And we have to ask God for mercy that his type of justice doesn't come upon us. And if you're a born-again believer, that, that justice won't. Because we're covered in the blood of Jesus. Amen. So God is also active to advance his kingdom. He's not going to leave us alone in that either. It says, to show this, we need to look at Christ's great commission. So Matthew 28, 18 and 20. And it reads, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Uh, Is the job done yet? We're still working. We're still performing this great commission. And we look at the last line for those deists that think that he just winded it up like a clock and lets it, lets it fly. And that God's not working in the earth today. He tells us here that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That means he is working in men even to the end of the age. That he's going to continue working in the lives of believers. God's hand is still here on earth then I think it's safe to say that Christ is still with us, helping us as we work to take his name to everyone possible. That's our job, right? To go out and preach the gospel, to make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. And he's going to be with us to the end. So what does that mean for us here in Lafayette? We go into our city and we preach to a lost and dying world. We go into Acadiana, we preach to a lost and dying world. We go into Louisiana, we go beyond that if God sends us. We go out and we complete his, the Great Commission. That's what our job is to do. And that's how he works. He has his hand actively working in advancing his kingdom. He uses each and every one of us to do that. and gives us the power, gives us the strength. We look at Peter. When he was going uh, in the Gospels, how he was kind of a blundering fool. He'd put his foot in his mouth all the time. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him and gave him power, he spoke to 3,000 and 3,000 got saved. He could do the same thing with you. We know where we came from. We know know what kind of lives we led. and And how our lives have been changed because of the feeling of the Holy Spirit and the power that's given to us. Let's not suppress that power. Let's use that power to get out there. And, and make disciples. That's what he's asking us to do. And then he's also active to change lives. The Bible says that God is in the business of transforming people to be more like him. And just look what he's, he's got to work with. It's got to be a hard job for God to change people. I'll just use me. I won't point nobody else out. Okay? I mean, on our own, we wouldn't even... Think of pleasing God. Think about before you got saved. How many of y'all really were thinking about God? I was thinking about what I was going to do on a Friday or Saturday night. Thinking about sleeping in on a Sunday. Because Friday and Saturday night hurt me. But he's changed us. When the spirit of God came to live in me, was it, was it automatic? Was it a quick change? For some it may have been. For others it's gradual. And I've seen God work with me in their life. Well, hey, Brandon, we're going to get rid of, rid of a little bit of this today. Okay, we're going to get rid of that. 
A couple years later, we're going to get rid of some of this. Okay, we're going to get rid of that. But gradually, he started changing me. And each of us have our own story on how fast or how slowly God has changed us. But we know we feel the spirit working in us. We know there's change in God's interchanging life. It takes, a, it takes the moving of God, and, he's, and he loves doing it. How do I know that? How do you know that? Because the spirit of God witnesses to us that there's been a change and that we're not the same people. And let me tell you something, God's not done. He's still working on each and every one of us. And he'll do that until we go into glory. And my prayer is that, it, is that some of those people who, who God is working on is here today. And some of us, guess what? It was a small whisper that changed us. Some of us, we got hit in the side of the head with a brick. But God was changing us, amen? The other reason I know God loves working in the lives of people is because it brings him praise. I love hearing testimonies of people delivered, delivered from different addictions or how God, God delivered him and brought him from a, a state of, of the pit and had brought him up to where they are today. I love hearing stories like that. That really, that really encourages me and gives me a good feeling in my heart. And God has transformed me. And God has transformed you. And God is into the transforming business. Amen. And guess what? Jabez knew that God was into the transforming business. And he needed some transformation in the, in the situation he had. And he called on the mighty hand of God. He could transform, uh, transform you, uh, first of all, from a person outside of the family of God to a child of God. He could transform you also from someone struggling with sin to someone who's helping other people who are struggling with sin because God has given you the victory over your struggle. Now you're able to go out and help others in that transformation. He could transform you from a weak person to a strong person. Because when you've got the spirit of God living in you, that's all the strength you need. God gives you the strength you need to get through your everyday life and you walk in your faith with him. So let me clue you in on a little secret here. If we, can, if, if we want God to transform this small but growing church that we're in right now, to a larger body of believers that can be effective for our community. We need to let him work in and in our lives. We need to let him clear out the clutter that's in our hearts right now, in our minds. And let him work and clean it out and give us that new man. Give us that new spirit to be strengthened and built up in him. For we can go out there and be strong in this world. When we leave these four walls, we can go out and be effective for his kingdom. For his kingdom continues to grow. And we are his vessels. We are his tools that he uses to get the gospel out. And we need to, need to not be nervous about that. We got God Almighty. We got his hand backing us when we go out into witness to this world. This world can be scary. There are some characters out there that, that some of us probably don't want to approach. But if God is calling you to do it, he's going to give you the strength to get through it. He will. He'll give you the words to say. He'll give you the actions that are needed for it and the strength and the tools that are for it. Just trust him. So in conclusion, we talk about God's hand is mighty, it is righteous, and it is active. And this list can go on. 
You can add your own thing of how God's hand is mighty, whatever. This list can go on. And like Jabez, we are in desperate need for the hand of God to act on our behalves. And we need to let him do it. Often we, we, we get a little selfish and we don't want God to work. Or we're scared of what God's going to do. God might send me off to some foreign land to be a missionary. Well, if that's what God wants, let him do it. He's going to protect you. He's going to get you through it. All right, so let's, let's have a vision for this church. Let's have a vision of, 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 of discipling people outside and evangelizing to those who are lost because they're the ones who need it, just like we did. They need to hear the gospel. And remember that God's uh, mighty hand is with us, and he wants us to act. And with the hand of God working in, in us and through us to advance the kingdom, we absolutely can't lose. There's no losing in God's camp. God is, a, God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to get us through. So God's church around the world bears powerful witness to both the necessity and availability of the hand of God to accomplish the business of God. So let's God, let God's hand be with you and strengthen you and give you the power to do his work. Let God's hand strengthen you. Let him give you the power. And I pray this week you'll think about God's hand. Think about the mighty hand that he has and how he wants to use that mighty hand with you. How he wants to protect you. How he wants to, to advance his kingdom. Lord, how put your hand upon me and how would you like to use me? Just think about that this week. Amen. All right. Father, we come to you, Lord, and we thank you, Father, that your hand is mighty. We thank you that you do have a righteous hand, Lord. And most of all, we thank you that you are active in the life of the believer, Father, that you have not left us or forsaken us, Lord, but you give us the strength and power that we need to go out and proclaim your message to a world that is hurting and dying and lost, Father God, and that, uh, we just ask that your hand would be on us, Lord, and protect us, Lord, in all that we do. Protect us from this, the virus that is going around, Lord, and, and we just ask for your hand in that. Uh, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.